Hey there, my name is Ben Ramos, and you are listening to the Rise Church Podcast. We are a church in southeastern Idaho that is dedicated to sound biblical theology, coupled with the authentic power of God. Our true hope is that this podcast will help you to continue to grow and taking steps in your relationship with Jesus. I hope you feel empowered today. I hope you feel encouraged today, and I hope you feel uplifted. God bless you. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, we've been teaching through some really fun topics. Have you guys enjoyed this? As we've been working through our controversial series, please uh, just remember this, that I didn't, I didn't say this in our last message. I wish I had, um, but just this reminder that as we're talking through these controversial topics, um, we very first and foremost recognize that we're united in the body of Christ. Okay, we're united in the broken body and the spilled blood of Jesus Christ, our identity as brothers and sisters in Christ. That doesn't just stop at our doors. That goes to each and every congregation that loves Jesus here in our area and across the globe. And so it's important. Um, and and my, my belief is that God has created and called each church congregation to look the way that they are, are looking, Right? To, to function in the way that they're functioning, even though it's different from us. And so it may be vastly different. And I may have a bent on scripture that's completely different from how they believe that they should orchestrate church. But God has called us to be who we are. And so I think it's, it's so important that while we press into the unity in the body of Christ, that that doesn't mean that we shouldn't know who God has called us to be as the body of Christ at Rise Church. Amen. I think we need to know what we're supposed to do. In, in similar terms that Paul would possibly use in the scripture, you, we could say that the hand needs to know that it was created to grab a hold of things and tear down some strongholds, right? So we need to know who we are. So I'm just gonna go ahead um, and, and say this, I apologize ahead of time for any toes that I step on this morning. If you are of other denominational background or have different uh, biblical beliefs, I, I, I love you. I, I, I value you. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm fired up a little bit this morning. I'm fired up a little bit this morning. I've, got, I've been having some uh, heated conversations with some, some uh, cross-denominational friends uh, as of recently, and it's just reminded me of why I am the way that I am and why we are here at Rise the way that we are. And I, I just had this fresh reminder of a revelation from Jesus of why I was sent here, why I left Washington to move my family to southeastern Idaho. And I, I just was reminded that I was sent here to equip the saints for the work of ministry with the focus of sound biblical theology coupled with the authentic power of God. This means pouring into this family in a way such that we are dismantling every work of the enemy in this region, which requires a wildly charismatic and radical faith that what God did on the day of Pentecost, as those fiery days began, we live in those same, day, same days today, and we're involved with them today. No, we're not just sitting on the sidelines having hypothetical and theological conversations waiting for Jesus to come back while maybe I'll hand out a tract or two. We're actively identifying what are those works that the enemy is working, what are those works of darkness in our, our world around us. We're binding them up and we're sending them straight back to hell where they belong. So who are we? Well, we are a four-square church. What does that mean as you look at the different symbols over there on, on that wall? We've got an, four of them. It all centers around Jesus Christ because he's the center of who we are as a church, as individuals, as families, and every other perspective of, of life. We believe that Jesus is our Savior. Someone say, yeah, he did that. Yeah, yeah that's the cross. Jesus went to that cross. He paid the price for our sins. Yeah, he did that. We believe Jesus is our savior. Jesus is also our healer. Someone say, yep, he's still doing that. Yep, he is still doing that. He's still healing bodies. Jesus is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Someone say, he wants to empower you. He does. He does. 
and Jesus is our soon and coming king. Someone say he's coming back. He's coming back. That's right. And as a Foursquare Church, we are a part and associated with the fastest growing denominational movement present on the planet today as Pentecostals. No, we're not a part of a dying denomination that focuses on God who died and was risen, but there isn't a whole lot of evidence in their crusty pews laced with traditional creeds and overbearing perfume. No, God's alive and well. Yeah, he died, but he was there for three days, and that three days is over. We, we won't stay hidden in the tomb because Jesus came out. Not only did he come out, but he went up to the right hand of the Father. Not only did he take his seat as ruler and king, he poured his spirit out to empower us to do greater works than even he did. Another good octave there. Someone say hallelujah. When we say we're Pentecostal, I think it's important that we know what we mean and why we believe it. It's, it's not just because we're a part of some fad going on. No, it's because this is the way we see the Bible as the truth of, of God. So let me lay that out for us. I've got six things that Pentecostals believe. The first, when we say Pentecostal, we are believing that there was a prophecy that spoke forth from Joel 22 that said the last days, this is an important phrase, the last days would be marked by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. As you read through Joel 2.28, this is what we see. In Acts 2.28, Peter declared that this prophecy has taken place, that this is the days that began right then and there on the day of Pentecost. In Joel 2.23, he prophesied that this age would have an end date, that this end date would be, quote, when the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Jesus described this age in Acts 1.8, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What is this power supposed to be for? This power is so that we can be witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and right here in Idaho Falls, in the ends of the earth. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, that the part of this empowerment to be Jesus' witnesses, seen in spiritual gifts, these would also have an end date. That end date would be when the perfect comes. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 that Jesus will come back through the clouds with a cry of command by the archangel and the sound of the trumpet. Now, I know I've had a little bit of congestion over the past little bit. I know my ear canals are a little bit congested, but I don't think I missed that. Thus meaning, scriptural understanding would bring us to the fact that we live in the final days where the empowerment from on high is still available to you and to me. This is why we're Pentecostals. The empowerment looks like a number of things. This empowerment from the Holy Spirit, when we yield our our lives to God and say, I want to be empowered by you, Holy Spirit, come rest upon me and empower me to be your your witness. Now, this, this empowerment looks a number of ways, and we're going to focus in on one of the ways that this empowerment looks like this morning. And as I was considering it, as I was thinking about um, how, how, how do I communicate this, one of the most just beautiful, beautiful things that God has provided for us, how do I, how do I introduce this? And I've, I've done so by just considering some of the moments that have impacted me most in my life. And I want to share some pictures with you um, and ask you just to consider similar moments in, in, your own, in your own life. And so, without further ado, let me ask this question. Have you ever been given a gift that was so good that you just don't even have the words to articulate just how great and how vast your gratitude is? Think about those moments in your life. Maybe it was leaving the big city for the first time and hitting that country road and seeing more stars in the sky than you ever have before. Or if we could pull up picture number one, 
It's that picture-perfect evening where the sunset beamed off of the buildings lighting up the space needle with the one you've just fallen in love with. No words, no words. Or picture two, that moment when you saw her in that white dress or him in that tux on the other side of the aisle for the first time. So much joy without, without even the words to express. Or maybe if we go to picture number three, maybe it was the first time you held your baby and you realized, I made this and I am their leader. Or number four, if we could go to picture number four, maybe it was the first time that you had this, this thrill of an incredible adventure. No words, I, I can't tell if you can truly see that. You may have to look it up later. Uh, but you have both Alicia and I on there making some pretty fun faces as we're going whitewater white rafting. It was so, so good. We didn't have words. I, I, actually, Alicia may have had a little squeal or something in there, but... Now, let's investigate the other side of the emotional spectrum. Have you ever been in so much pain or experienced so much hurt that you just didn't have the words? Or you just needed God to do something, but you don't know how to even articulate it? If we go to picture number five, please. Perhaps losing someone too soon. In our first year of marriage, uh, I lost my mom. Uh, she is in heaven with Jesus, but still losing her in the first year of our marriage. Her birthday was a couple days ago. No, no words for the depth of that pain. The, the other guy is my stepdad, Frank. We lost him in 2020. And just the pain too deep for words. Or perhaps it's knowing someone is walking through a season such as this and not having the words to comfort them. What do I even say? How do I even, how do I even minister to them or comfort them? Or if we could go to picture number six. This is a picture from, um, from our mission trip in, in, in Mexico one year. Um, it's encountering someone who doesn't even speak the same language as you but somehow you just know that you need to let them know how much that they are loved and how much that Jesus loves them. This young man actually did speak English, but there were a number of situations there where we didn't speak the same, the same language. And so for each of these scenarios, you can put the pictures down so you stop admiring me, looking like I know how to play the guitar. <laughs> for each one of these scenarios, God has provided something that is a way to express profound gratefulness. It's a way to express your need for comfort or for God to move. It's a way to share the exact will of God for that moment. It's a way to share about God's love with someone who doesn't even speak your same language. It's a way to put the perfect words, this is cool, into the perfect prayer. Ever wanted to say the perfect prayer? It's... It's something that the Bible names in Greek as glossolalia. In English, we would say speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues does all of these, these things, expressing profound gratefulness. It's a way to express your need for comfort or for God to move. It's a way to share the exact will of God for that specific moment, exactly what his thoughts are, exactly what his heart is, it's a way to share about God's love with someone who doesn't even speak your same language. God empowering you to be able to make that happen. It's a way to put the perfect words to the perfect prayer. Now I want to take a moment to acknowledge something about speaking in tongues. For some, this is just something normal. It was modeled for you. Maybe you just haven't had the full understanding of what it is. For others, they've read about it and they've never actually seen it. For some, it is something that doesn't even exist any longer. It was something that was in biblical times and is no longer here or happening anymore. For some, 
It's a requirement to be fully submitted to Jesus. In other words, people would say that if you don't speak in tongues, you must not be a Christian or you must not be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to acknowledge that as we say the word, words, speaking in tongues, if you get that little like gurgle in your stomach where you're like, ooh, that's kind of, kind of weird, kind of different, it's okay. It's okay. And I, I want to acknowledge that, but I also want to take it head on. The truth is that people have handled speaking in tongues in inappropriate ways. In fact, lest we think it's all our fault and all our generation's fault, we actually see speaking in tongues being held, uh, being handled inappropriately in the Bible. And so we've, we've actually, we've, we've seen it in, in the Bible, we've probably seen it, experienced it in our own lives, and people still do it today. It's, it's the truth. But let me ask you a true or false question. True or false, when people handle something wrong, it gives them the power to tell us what God teaches through his word. False. Just because it was handled wrong doesn't, doesn't mean that we get to ignore it from, from the scripture True or false, when we don't understand something in the Bible, we get to remove it and ignore it for the rest of our lives. False. Someone say, Ben, what's your point? My point is that any funny feelings that we have about speaking in tongues or anything for that matter, it should be addressed by the Bible. We've got to bring it to the word, the word which God gave us so that we could be complete in every good work. Right? This is the declaration of what the Bible, what the Word of God is. And so we've got to, we've got to seek God for his, his direction. You know, I, I actually come from that uh, background of hurt when it comes to uh, spiritual language, as some would say it, or speaking in tongues. I grew up in a King James Bible-only organization, and it ran right alongside with the Bible. You had to read these other books in order to understand the Bible. You had to be educated in these other ways to be able to understand the Bible. Probably the biggest downfall that I saw within this organization, or I may say this cult, was that they denied the the Trinity. But one of the things that they did believe was speaking in tongues. This was a, a core belief. It's something that was modeled all the time, so much that it became normal. And then there came a time where, I, where we were taught how to speak in tongues, and they gave a little brief teaching on it, and then they brought us into separate rooms, and they said, repeat after me. This is how you speak in, in tongues, and it felt a little weird. It felt like I was doing this by something that I learned from my own power, from my own edu- education. After a little while, we left this organization, um, and my life took some bad turns. I've told you that in, in my testimony. I became addicted to drugs and in this terrible place. And it was finally on this day in a jail cell where I called out to, called out to Jesus where he'd freed me from addiction and a number of, of other things. And from that moment, I went and I got uh, water baptized with my dad at a, at a church. And in that moment, addiction was done Right? The scars disappeared from my body. There wasn't any need for the, some of the medication that I was on now. I was, I was free. In that same moment, I came with this understanding that God, everything that you have for me, I want. And I, I know enough of the Bible to know that that means also the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. So I want that. And so in that moment when I was water baptized, I was also baptized in the Holy Spirit particularly because I welcomed that, because I asked for that. And in that moment, I, I knew that I was now able to speak in tongues. But it was, it was different from before. It was no longer that I was speaking the, the sounds that I was taught once before. Now it was just flowing from a place of God allowing these sounds to come from my voice but I still had to step out and articulate them, step out and open my vocal cords, and then they came out. At this point, I was, I was still a little bit weary of it. I was 
because there was so much hurt in it, but I knew I couldn't discount it. At that time, I, I grabbed a hold of every single teaching that I could find on the subject. Most of those teachers who I listened to uh, were reformed and cessationist and believed that this was no longer for today. It shouldn't be something that we do. But I still used their scriptures as guidance. I said, I, I, I want to learn everything I can from those who love Jesus. And so I took all of those things and then I went through systematic theology book after systematic theology book after systematic theology book, reading through and studying what, what does the Bible actually say? What is God's will about these, these tongues? Uh, funny, funny story, Gracie, um, our, how old is she now? Five, our five-year-old says, Ben, or says, Dad, doesn't call me Ben because then she would be reprimanded. <laughs> she says, Dad, I don't have my speaking in tongues yet and sticks her tongue out. I said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll keep asking. We'll keep asking God for that. But when I dove into the scriptures of what does the Bible actually say about this? What is God's actual will for, for tongues, spiritual language? What is his will for, for us? I found some things, and I, I want to share them with you this morning. The first thing that I found was that since the very beginning of the Big C Church, on that very day, speaking in tongues was a real thing. On this day of, of Pentecost that we see in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are all in the upper room, and I can't preach this without using the best joke that I have in my arsenal. They were all inside this little Honda because they were all in one accord. Hey. So they were all in one accord. They were seeking God in unity, saying, Jesus, you promised that this was going to take place. And it happened. The Holy Spirit rushed upon them, empowering them to be these reconcilers to the world of, of Jesus. He empowered them to be able to reach those that they wouldn't be able to reach without the power of, of God. And what, what did that look like initially? Well, it looked like them speaking in tongues. Because right at that very moment, there was a festival going on in Jerusalem. And as they were speaking in tongues, they spoke these languages that they didn't even know but they were glorifying God. And in all of these other languages, the people who were there heard, what, uh, heard these awesome things about God. It was incredible. And I, I just like, bring yourself into the story. I don't know if you guys have been to like City Bagel here in town. There's, uh, uh, it's this coffee shop, bagel shop type of dealie. Um, and you walk in and there's an upper room. You can walk up the stairs into this upper area. And so I just pictured us trying to bring this practical understanding of what this was like. It's like all of us doing church in that second story up there, and we're, uh, we've got this little box car, uh, uh, little Honda, this Accord we're all squeezing into. We're, we're saying, all right, God, you promised this. You promised that you were going to pour out your spirit upon us, and he does. And we start praising him in languages unknown to us, and downstairs, as you look out in downtown Idaho Falls, there were people from Japan and the Philippines and Mexico and China and Iraq and Egypt and Ukraine and Russia. And as we spoke in these tongues, we didn't know what we were saying. But somehow, out of our vocal, vocal cords came Japanese, Tagalog, Spanish, Cantonese, Russian, Ukrainian, Arabic. We were speaking in our own Northwest USA type of accents, but in their language. And they were hearing us proclaim how awesome God was. This was what it was like on the day of Pentecost. This is what it was like as the church began. And guess what? As you continue to read through the scripture, we find that it didn't go anywhere unless it was oppressed or suppressed by the people of, of God. Jesus spoke of tongues also in Mark 16, 17. He says this, and these signs will accompany those who believe. Who? Someone say, that's me. That's me. Those who believe. I believe in Jesus. He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. Let me speak to you for just a second. This is talking about you, empowered by the Holy Spirit to cast out demons. 
this is how I actually believe that we will transform this region by taking this as our identity, by identifying the works of demonic and dark forces and saying, no, my identity in Christ says I've got authority and power over that, so it's gotta leave. It's gotta leave this valley now in Jesus' name. Wherever we go, we can carry this type of power with us. It says, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Now, an argument has been made by Christians that uh, perhaps this was only supposed to be for a short period of time. That this, these tongues and these gifts was only supposed to be like right then and there in Acts chapter 2. But check this out. Seven years after the Pentecost incident, God wills that the Gentiles would now experience this. And so he communicates to a dude named Cornelius, a guy named Peter, and Peter ends up at the Gentiles' home and preaches the gospel, and this is what it says takes place in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on those who heard. Wait, that's seven years later. Okay, the Holy Spirit still fell on those who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, they were amazed. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. So it wasn't just for the Jews. It was for the Gentiles too. Someone say hallelujah. Praise God. Because I, yeah, that, that would be me. For those, uh, for they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. Now in case you're one of those who uh, really likes the, the number seven, you say this is like complete. And so it had to be after seven years that this was going to end, right? No. False, 24 years after the day of Pentecost in 54 AD, Paul is in Ephesus and people speak in tongues there. Acts chapter 19 in case you need proof. This was the norm for the early church, Jew and Gentile alike. And when people are baptized of the Holy Spirit, there's a normative experience of speaking in tongues. Normative experience meaning that it's not the requirement every single time this has to take place. There are a couple times in the Bible where this doesn't take place, but we can have an expectation that as we come to God and we say, we wanna be equipped by your power, please fill me up, please Holy Spirit, rush upon me that I can be your witness. We can have the expectation that whether it's right then and there or maybe some years later as we continually seek to have this experience of speaking in tongues that God is going to come through and allow you and empower you to speak in other languages. I referenced this earlier, but I don't want you to miss it. There is a time where this type of empowerment, which is meant to empower us to be Jesus' witnesses, I really want to repeat that so we, we get a hold of what this is for, where he's empowering us to reach the lost and advance the kingdom of God by force, there is a time where that is no longer going to be needed. We understand that, yeah? There's a time where that's not going to be needed because at that time, there will no longer be a need to reach the lost. Okay? We're making sense of this. When is that? That's when Jesus comes back. Joel referenced this, again, as the glorious days of the Lord. Paul references this in 1 Corinthians 13, 9, as the day that the perfect comes. Someone say, uh, someone let me know who the perfect is. Yeah, 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 that's Jesus. If you're in church, Jesus is the right answer. Someone say Jesus. That's Jesus. And the Bible says that we will be face to face with him. So when does this empowerment end? When Jesus returns. When Jesus returns. And I'll throw these in there for good measure for some icing on the cake for the point that speaking in tongues was a norm for the early church. It was to Corinth that was mismanaging the speaking in tongues and it was chaotic. After correcting them, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 39, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid the speaking of tongues. That's the Bible. That's the Bible. Speaking in tongues, tongues was the norm in the early day of the church and should be the norm today. So let's answer this question. What are tongues? What, what are these things that we're talking about, these languages that we are, are talking about? We've seen already how in Acts chapter 2, how speaking in tongues is something that, uh, that can take place when the Spirit of God comes on people in Holy Spirit baptism and enables them to speak 
in unknown languages to, to other people around them so they can benefit, right? They're empowered to be witnesses of Jesus, to reconcile the world, um, the world to Jesus. Let's learn a little bit more through a few more scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm going to start in verse 1, as Paul, again, is writing to these Corinthians, bringing some correction. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... I do not want you to be uninformed. I love this because it's something that God has given us and he's saying, I don't want you to not understand what this is, what this is all about. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says that Jesus is accursed no one can say that Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, he says there are various types of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of different services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of different activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So talking about this empowerment by the Holy Spirit to minister to others. And verse 7 says, to each... That's an interesting word, yeah? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what kind of gifts is Paul talking about here? These are the manifestational gifts. These gifts cause us to say, wow, God is actually here. Manifestation means that God is evidencing himself, that he's saying, here I am, rocking like a hurricane. I am here, I am in the building. <laughs> When, God, uh, when these are used, Paul says that they're supposed to be used for the common good, for all of the people here in, in our congregation, for all those who are, are present. In other words, this shouldn't be a disruption. It shouldn't be chaotic. This shouldn't be something that is taking attention away from anybody else outside of Jesus Christ. So these manifestation gifts are listed in verses 8 through 10 as words or utterances of wisdom, words or utterances of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing of spirits. And listen to the way that he articulates this, various types of tongues. It's really important for where we're going in these next few minutes that we understand that there are various types of tongues and that there are interpretation of tongues. And so Paul finishes his writing in verse 27, says, now you are the body of Christ and you're each individual members of it. God has appointed the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. And then he asks these questions, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer that he's getting at is, is no, is, is, is no. For these purposes, no. But he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So again, going back to the point I'm trying to make, are we all able to speak in tongues for the purpose of manifesting and making known that God is here for the benefit of the church? The answer is no. The answer is no. We do not all have the manifestational gift right here and right now. But, big, but, I dare not end there because the Bible doesn't end there and Paul doesn't end there. In chapter 13, Paul introduce, introduces that some of these tongues that God is empowering um, that people are using are languages of men and languages of angels, right? So two different kinds of languages that God is empowering people to speak. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love. This is the heart in which we flow in spiritual gifts. It's got to be from this place of, of love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And here's where I want to pull your focus back in in case you've drifted off. Pull it back in here in verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. 
but he utters mysteries in the spirit. So at this point, if we're keeping along with everything that we've communicated so far, we have to say, time out, time out. Because this is saying, one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, but no one understands him. But we just saw in Acts chapter 2 that speaking in tongues looked like them speaking and other people understanding what was being spoken. So there may be a contradiction in scripture here. Is that, is that what's taking place? Is, is Paul contradicting the scripture or is this God's inspired and errant infallible word and there must be another explanation? That one. I choose that one. Whatever words those just were, they sounded nice. They sounded pretty. Let's go with that one. Verse 3 in 1 Corinthians 14. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and for the encouragement. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Again, time out. Hold on. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but we were just learning, right? We were just, just learning that all of those manifestation gifts, which were previously lifted, listed, which included speaking in tongues, were for the purpose of revealing that God is here and should be used for the common good of, of the church. That would be the building up of, of the church. So what's going on here? We saw in uh, the tongues in Acts chapter 2 that they were actually building up the people who were hearing, not the one who was speaking. But now Paul is saying opposite. So the questions at point right now are speaking in tongues is now understood by men, and it's not uh, common good for the body or uh, for others, but it's good for the, the individual speaking it. Let's continue to read on. Verse 5. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. This phrase really gets me. I want you all to speak in tongues. But Paul just got done saying that not everyone has the manifestation gifts of, of, of tongues. So how do, we, how do we make sense of this? How do we, how do we understand this? Obviously, I roll with the assumption that Paul's not contradicting the Bible because it's, it's God's word. Therefore, I believe it's true of what Paul is speaking here that there are two kinds of tongues or multiple various types of tongues and just breaking them down into two specific ones for, for this moment. And I want to introduce those to you as this. There is the public gift of, of tongues. This is the gift from God for the purpose of manifesting his presence to the congregation. These are tongues that are empowered and directed by God to be shared publicly in the language of, um, in the language of angels. After they're spoken, they're, they should always be interpreted so that everyone else is built up and we understand what God is speaking in that moment. The manifestation gift is, is actually available to everyone, but God doesn't actually uh, give that to everybody right here and right now because if he did that, it would be chaotic and we would all be speaking like crazy. And so that's the reason why Paul is writing this specifically to the Corinthians, saying the, the service should not be chaotic like this. There can also be languages of men utilized to share the, uh, mag, uh, the magnificence of, of God. And we see that in Acts chapter 2 as they're praising and saying how great God is in languages that they don't fully understand, but other people are understanding them, right? So when it's for the benefit of others, this is the public gift of, of tongues. And then there is also the private grace. This is something that God allows for all people to, uh, to step into by the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. This specifically is made for intimacy and closeness with God. It is for building ourselves up. And here's a few things that uh, can take place when this is a part of our life. This can be the perfect prayer. The perfect prayer. If we're in that situation where we don't know what to pray or how to put the perfect words together, it's the perfect prayer. It's in Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our 
our weakness. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In the same line of understanding, the private grace of speaking in tongues is the Spirit of God building up the one who is speaking. So when I speak in a tongue, I can, I can recognize that I'm being filled up right now. All of those gaps, almost like I've been working out my faith and I've got gaps in my muscles, now God's filling that space up. He's encouraging. He's, he's refocusing uh, my mind on what it needs to be refocused to. As such, this also makes the perfect tool for warfare, speaking in tongues. As we're coming against what the enemy is doing, and we don't know how to, how to come against it, all we got to do is speak in tongues. Speak it out. This is also an aspect of worship, of, of, of praise, and can be used um, to share with others the greatness of, of God. This is available to us all. As I searched through the effect that speaking in tongues has had on my life and went through all of those pictures with you, I just wanted to show you how intimate, how close, how beautiful this actually, uh, actually is. One of the things that I do in my own life is when I've got a rough week, when I'm really just walking through it, or when I see sin rear its ugly face in, in my life, and I feel like the enemy is saying, you're condemned, you're not good enough, you're, you're, you're terrible, I begin to speak in tongues. And as I speak in tongues, it's almost like that reminder of God saying, look, this is proof that the Holy Spirit is in you. This is proof that you're not actually condemned because the Spirit of God is already there. He, he, he's dwelling inside of you. This is a reminder that he's closer than ever, that he's em empowering me. I want you to also know as we begin to come to a close, if we could um, come forward, this is also something that you can grow in, speaking in tongues. And I feel like this is something that I haven't heard a whole lot of in, in the church. As you think about these different gifts that God empowers us to do, like the gift of, the gift of teaching, You're, you are empowered by the, the Spirit of God to do that, but just because you are empowered by the Spirit of God to do that, the first time you jump up doesn't mean you're perfect at it. You've got to grow in it. It takes repetition. It takes intentionality. And so just the same as, as that or sharing a word. The first time you get a word from God, a, a word of wisdom, and you speak that, it, you may not have articulated that the best way. But you grow in it. You continue to, to press into that. And so just as with any other language out there, there are always new words to learn. There are always new phrases and paragraphs to, to learn and to allow God to, to grow that spiritual language. And so I'd encourage us to, to press into that, to press into the space of God. I, I just want all you want. And here's the cool thing, is that as God has promised to take us from glory to glory, that means that we continue to grow in all aspects of our walk with him. This is available for all of us. I've kind of put all of those together in six ways to understand tongues, as you guys um, may have had up on the screen. If not, we'll throw it on social media this week. But here's, here's the, uh, uh, if you're looking and saying, I don't have this and I want this, I want you to come with this understanding of what Jesus says in Luke eleven ten says, for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father 
give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I believe this is available to, to all of us. And the first step, I want to just walk through. If we could just close our eyes together. Just want to take a couple minutes. Here's, here's what I want to do. It, it starts here. It starts with knowing Jesus. It starts with giving your life to Jesus in its totality. And so if you haven't done that, it simply is to, to declare before God right here, right now, wherever you're at. You can do it out loud or quietly. You, you say, Jesus, I believe that you lived. I believe that you died, and I believe that you were resurrected. I believe that you paid the price for my sins, all of them. And I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior, my Master and my Director. I want to live according to your will for my life. And right now, as I make that declaration, I am a new creation. And as you make that declaration, right now, his Holy Spirit is coming to dwell inside you. He's making you a temple of the Holy Spirit. We can also invite him to empower us to be his witnesses, to love people well, to share the, mes share the message of Jesus, to walk in power. It's oftentimes important that we come before him with a clear conscience. In other words, sometimes we hold baggage over our head and say, I'm not good enough, I've made all these mistakes, but here's what the word of God says. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence in God. And that's what we need while we're asking. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so if we have unrepented sin in this moment, let's just take that moment and say, I'm sorry. That's the first part of repentance. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Acknowledging that that is not the will of God for my life. I'm sorry. But it also requires us to choose to do things his way. And so I'm going to turn. If there's any aspect of my life where I'm not living completely in your will, I'm choosing right now to follow after you fully and completely. Another thing that gets in the way of us receiving the gift of tongues and baptism of the Holy Spirit is forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so if you sit here this morning and you're recognizing I haven't forgiven somebody, maybe it was that person that gave me the wrong finger while we were driving, maybe it was parents, maybe it was another relational strain, but for our freedom, we have to choose to walk in forgiveness. And so just think through those people right now and say, I, yeah, I forgive them. You may have to do it again tomorrow and every day for the next year. It may be a continual choice, but we're called to forgive. The next thing I want to do is come with expectation. Listen, this was the promise of God. This is the will of God for your life. He wants to empower you. He wants to be closer with you, and he wants you to, to have a spiritual language. And then at this point, we just begin to worship in thankfulness. Just begin to thank him. Thank him for what he's given in your life. And then you begin to verbally praise. A part of the scripture in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says that they were filled first and then they began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And so it's an act of faith to actually open up your vocal cords and speak out words. You know, it's okay if you hear other people speak in tongues as long as they're not interrupting everything but it's, it's a personal thing that we each get to have. So would you guys stand with me as we have walked through that? And I just want to take, let's just do even, even one minute. I know 
I always make the rule that once we get to 11.45, we need to get off the stage. We need to uh, honor our, our kids' ministry workers. But just take a moment. We just verbally, verbally praise him. We praise you, Jesus. We ask right now for the baptism of your Holy Spirit. We ask right now for the gift of the personal prayer language of speaking in tongues, God. That as those who are seeking it, they would find it. And so we just open up our our voice, and I don't do this to be chaotic, but just to simply open up a moment of speaking in tongues. And so I'm going to speak forth some praise of my own personal language. You're welcome to for a moment also. God, for those of us here who do not have a personal prayer language and are seeking that this morning, we pray that you would release it. I've heard recently over the past six months who, uh, of people who have been seeking and have been seeking for a long time and the Lord had granted that to them just recently. And so we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're still doing this. Empower your church, empower your people, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in with us today. I really do hope and pray that this message has been transformative in your life to help you to take steps in relationship with Jesus. If this has been a blessing to you, there are several things you could do in order to give honor where honor is due. Uh, We would love if you would give us a like, go ahead and give us a subscribe, go ahead and share us, tag us, uh, quote us, do all of those things in your social media feeds. We would be so blessed by that. If you have any more questions or need any more information about who we are, what we believe, or if you'd like to give towards the forwarding of ministry here through Rise Church, you can do so at www.risechurchid.org. God bless. Have a great week.